Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Wow. It's such a great privilege to be here with you this morning. I feel very humbled um, that Jesse has invited me to come and to share with you today. Um, I'm married for 33 years to the same woman. <laughs> And we have three amazing children, 28-year-old daughter, um, and we have two grandchildren with Caitlin. I have a 25, almost 26-year-old son who's just recently got engaged to a Kiwi. Uh, we're having a wedding in April, and uh, Esther will be flying out here from uh, New Zealand, and we're excited about that. Then my youngest son, who will be 24 in April, uh, proposed to his uh, soon-to-be wife, and they are going to be getting married in May. So we have back-to-back weddings in April and May uh, this coming year. So it's going to be a busy, busy season for us. Um, I, uh, I just want to take a moment to tell you something that you already know, that you have two of the most amazing leaders on the planet in Jesse and Jessica Skinner. So I know you guys have a tendency to rate those that are speaking. I'm going to rate you right now. That was about a four. (laughs) Seriously, I've been around in full-time ministry for 35 years and been involved in in a lot of different churches and a lot of different scenarios. And you guys have exceptional, exceptional leaders. And my wife and I and our community down at Celebration Church just feel it's such a joy and such a privilege to be doing life with Jesse and Jessica and, you know, really wanting to see the entire region of Orange County completely radically shifted. How many of you believe that we're coming into a season of greater outpouring revival than we've ever known? Come on. <clears throat> and I was praying about what the Lord wanted me to share today. And actually during the worship time, right toward the end, the Lord just dropped this nugget in my heart. And he said, he reminded me that we're living in the time of, of great disruption. And you've probably heard this, that we're living in such a disruptive time. You know, examples of that would be like Airbnb has come in and totally disrupting, you know, the hotel industry. Um, you know, you have uh, Uber and Lyft and all the cab drivers are not real happy because of the disruption it's caused. I don't know if you've driven up to LAX recently and tried to catch a plane, uh, but the traffic up there is crazy. And and so um, we live in this time of great disruption, and I felt like what the Lord was saying today as a prophetic word to you here this morning is that sometimes, you know, disruption, and I shouldn't say sometimes, disruption always creates a little bit of, of anxiety. It stirs us up. It's uncomfortable. Turn to your neighbor and say, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> Because that's life in the kingdom. Hello, are you hearing me? And I felt what the Lord said was this. What seems to be disruptive is actually an invitation to step into the next season. What seems to be disruption is actually God coming to you and giving you an invitation to step into the next season of what he has for your life. And I've been working on a sermon today called Transitioning Well. I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about transition today. Um, anybody gone through some transitions this last year? Just wave your hand. Okay, gosh, that's about 50% of the people in here. 
Um, so it's, uh, it looks like we're on target. But, you know, this weekend actually marks the official transition into Christmas, right? Although every year it gets earlier, earlier. My, my daughter actually starts listening to Christmas music in July. You know, she kind of ramps up early on. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? But this weekend actually kind of marks the official transition into Christmas. So I just want to do a quick survey really quickly. How many of you actually went out Thursday night, Friday, or Saturday and went shopping this weekend? Let's see your hands. All right. In a store, yeah, right? Like, don't worry. I'm going to get to the rest of you. All right. So maybe about 10, 15 hands. How many of you actually purchased something online this weekend? Wow, look at that. You know, twice as many hands. All right, so today also marks the beginning of Advent. You guys know what Advent is all about, right? Advent is, is the season of preparation. It's the time of, of expectant waiting and preparation for the coming of Jesus. Um, the, actually, the, the term Advent comes from a Latin term, which means coming. And so we are entering into this season where we can have an expectant heart that God is about ready to show up for you with an unexpected gift. Come on, anybody need an unexpected gift this holiday season? Turn to your neighbor and just bless them and say, I just bless you because God's coming to you this season. <laughs> now transitions are really an important part of life. Every one of us have gone through all kinds of different transitions. Does anybody remember going to kindergarten your first day? Wow, you guys have amazing memories, all right? I remember the first fight that I had in kindergarten, you know? Got sent to the principal's office and got my first swats back in those days, right? That doesn't happen anymore. Do you remember going from elementary into junior high or high school, you know, into college? You know, these are transitions that every one of us have walked through. Um, how many of you remember your first date or your first kiss? I mean, that was a big transition, right, into the into that experience of beginning to to um, date and have those kind of relationships. Or how about the transition out of a bad relationship? How do you remember that? I mean, those are the kind of memories we want to let go of. We we really don't want to remember that kind of stuff. Well, today I want to talk to you about transitioning well. And uh, as we begin, transition often comes at a time we don't expect. Transition often comes as God invites us into a new season. And transition is designed to actually catapult us into heaven's breakthrough. And so I just want to pray right now over your life. Father, I just declare today that as we are in this season of transitioning into Christmas time, Lord, as we start Advent today, that our hearts would really be wide open that we would be ready to receive what you desire to release into our lives this holiday season, this Christmas season. And that just like the people of Israel back in the time when Jesus was being born, they were expecting the Messiah to come. They were, there was an expectancy that the Messiah was going to come on the scene. Lord, I just ask that you would put an expectancy in our heart as we have this next few weeks and that we would actually be ready to receive the unexpected gift that you want to release to us to bless us with, Lord, as we are walking through whatever season of disruption or whatever season of transition we might be in personally. We love you, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everybody said? 
So as I share a little bit this morning, I want to talk about two stories. The first one is obviously what happens with uh, Mary when the angel shows up and tells her that she's going to have a baby. But I also want to kind of uh, spend some time talking about um, Peter and right at the end of Jesus. So we're going to be talking about two transitions, the transition of Jesus arriving and the transition of Jesus leaving. And kind of talk about those two stories um, and highlight some things from those things. So here's some keys to transition well. You guys ready to transition well? You guys ready to step into the fullness of the opportunity that God wants to provide for you with this season? All right. Number one, we have to overcome worry and fear if we want to transition well. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to deal with your worries and your fears. I like looking at it over there. You can actually read it. I, I got to take a picture of that. I can take that back with me. So it's interesting in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 29 and 30, when the angel shows up and tells Mary she's going to have a baby, Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. Have you ever had somebody come and talk to you, give you a prophetic word, and your response was actually to be bewildered by it? Like, whoa, what is that? How many of you have ever felt a little bit of fear and trepidation when someone's giving you a prophetic word, right? Oftentimes when that happens, it's because it's big. It's way beyond this. It's something that's, whoa, that is like crazy, amazing, right? And <clears throat> Mary's in this moment when the angel is sharing with her this great news that she responds this way. But the angel reassured her saying, do not yield to your fear. Do not yield to your fear, Mary. For the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. If you looked up the word worry, the definition would be this, to give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. A state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Webster defines it a feeling of concern about something that might happen. Now that, just look at that third. That is like the craziest definition. A feeling of concern about something that might happen. You know, we can spend a lot of time wasting a lot of energy when we're focused on the unknown, when we allow ourselves to get into worry and fear. And it's interesting because as I looked at the definition of this word, the illustration that was um, on Google was this, of a dog gnawing or tearing on a, at a bone. And that's exactly what worry and fear does. You're thinking about God's plan for you. You're thinking about the challenges that, that are before you. You're thinking about your own limitations. But often we can allow worry and fear to creep in, and our focus is on those things. The focus is on what we lack. The focus is on, on these types of things as opposed to our focus being upon God. Worry and fear, fear say, what if? But hope and faith say, but God. And that's exactly what happened with Mary. Mary responded to the angel, and what did she say? Like, she did question, say, how's this going to be? But when the angel explained it, she said, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm the Lord's servant. Are you the Lord's servant? Jesse, you are the Lord's servant. We are the Lord's servant. And she said this, Whatever that you have stated, everything that you've said, if this is what God's plan is, 
then I'm willing to submit, yield, and humble myself and fully step into the fullness of what God wants to do. Now, you understand for Mary, this meant a lot of disruption because she was going to become pregnant out of wedlock. Can you imagine the shame and what she dealt with living in a small little community, a little town that she was in? Nazareth back then, or, or the area that she was from, was very small. My wife and I just had the wonderful opportunity to go to Israel for the first time in September. And probably the most significant thing that I experienced while I was there was just the like, intimacy of what, of what happened back then. Because I think that, you know, you're just growing up in the church and you're reading the Bible, you have just this grandiose picture of, of how life was. And I remember thinking about the Sea of Galilee. When I think of the Sea of Galilee, I'm thinking like Lake Michigan, right? Like you can't even see across it. Like I'm thinking the Sea of Galilee is this massive body of water. And then you get to Tiberias and it's like small. I actually Googled it's a third of the size of Lake Tahoe. It's not a very big body of water. You can see right across to the, to the area of the Gadarenes where Jesus took the boat across and cast a demon out of the Gadarene demoniac. You can see right to the North Shore where all the little towns were that Jesus spent most of his time at. 80% of his miracles were fulfilled and accomplished right on this, this northern side of the Sea of Galilee. And it's a very small area. It's smaller than Costa Mesa, guys. It's smaller than Costa Mesa. Crazy, huh? I think the greatest challenge we face with regard to the issue of, of fear and, and uh, worry is <clears throat> that we struggle looking out into the future and not understanding everything that we're walking through or understanding how God is going to fulfill what he has promised. But the truth is that we have to be willing to lay down our fear and lay down our worry and not allow those things to consume us. And the way that we do that is by doing exactly what you guys have been doing here this morning. I love the worship here at Presence. I told Jesse, if I wasn't pastoring my own church, I'd probably be coming here to Presence OC, coming to your church. Because I just love, I love the name of the church, Presence OC. I love the dynamic of how you guys gather and that you put the presence of God at the center of who you are and what you're going after. And it really is... That is the, one of the keys to helping us walk through disruptive seasons, walk through transitions well, is really focusing our heart and our mind in worship upon Him and not allowing the worry or the fear to consume us. Amen? All right, you guys ready? I'm going to break you up into groups. All right? Find your buddy. Two. All right? Just pairs or three. And we have a discussion question. This is disruptive. Come on. I'm disrupting things. They're all like sitting there like, what? what, what, what are you talking about? All right, here's a discussion question. What area of your life do you struggle the most with worry and fear? Ready, go. Come on, find your small group. Two or three people, turn around, talk. Hey, listen, if you're really scared right now to have this discussion, it's okay. Jesus actually talked to us. Let's go ahead and kind of pull it back together. I 
as Jesse said, I just love it when it takes a long time for people to quiet down. All right. Can we put up that next slide? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Jessica is feeling very uncomfortable right now because we've talked about all these fears but have not done anything about them yet. So let's just laugh at the fear at the moment, all right? <laughs> Woo! Let's just laugh. At, let's just laugh at your worry. Come on. <laughs> Woo! Whoa. Don't you feel better? You already feel better, don't you? Come on. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about worry, starting with verse 25. He says, you know what? Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. He talks about flowers, you know, and he talks about the birds and how he's going to take care of them all and this and that. And then he says this amazing thing in verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you or come as a matter of course. Now, it's really important to understand this because this is how we have a tendency to interpret that verse. Look at this, look at the chart over there, or the flow chart. So there I am, right there, and then there's my priorities. Of course, God is the center, right? God's the center of my life. He's number one, the first priority. And then, you know, maybe family is number two, or hopefully job isn't number two, uh, but vocation, future. But the problem with this particular paradigm is that where's all the responsibility sitting? It's sitting on your shoulders, isn't it? Now, the actual interpretation of Matthew chapter 6, 33 would be actually better represented by the next slide that's going to go up. Let's put up the next slide. There's a really big difference that comes right here. And it's really important for us to understand because Jesus teaches this as a paradigm shift that every one of us need to embrace to live in the kingdom. All right? And suddenly, whoa, what happened? And where is responsibility for all that stuff sitting now? It's sitting on God, isn't it? It's on His shoulders, really. And <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, actually it would be better to interpret it this way. Seek only the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these other things will come as a matter of course. And then, of course, in John chapter 15, we have Jesus teaching about the vine and the branch. And how many of you have a, a farming background? Let me just see. Wow, like raise your hands. Like we actually have people in the audience that have a background in farming. That is amazing. I'm raising my hand too. I grew up in the high desert on two and a half acres. We had a mini little ranch. We had chickens and cows and horses and rabbits and dogs and cats and rats. Well, no, those weren't the things we really wanted, but those things were around. And we had, we had a garden that was about the size of almost this room right here. That's a lot of weeding, right? But, you know, Jesus... You know, he, he, the, the background of when the Bible was written was from that type of a background. And what, what Jesus is teaching us is this, and that is that I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Never. You've never confessed that to them. You just tell stories. You go to another story. 
Wow. Preach it. Cows, chickens, horses, yeah. Hmm. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Hmm. I'm just going to get drunk in the spirit right now because I feel really embarrassed. <laughs> I know I talked about a dog gnawing on a bone, but man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is my worst fear right here. Mm. Mm. All right. Let me just say a couple things about worry and fear, and then we'll wrap up and move to the next point. Worry and fear come when we are operating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It said, worry and fear come when we are operating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We have the choice of either being connected to the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is this, that I want to understand and I need to understand. And one of the greatest challenges that we face in our life when we walk through disruptive seasons, when we're coming into transition times, is that we're not going to see the whole picture. We're not going to have all the details. We're not going to know. And that's where faith comes in. And that's where our heart connection with God and our relationship with Him is so critical and important. And that's why living like this Oh, I was talking about the vine and the branches. There it is. It came back to me. Woo! The story of the vine and branches. And it's the whole idea of what is the branch responsible for? The branch is responsible for one thing and one thing only, and that is to stay vitally connected to the vine. That's all it does. If it stays in living vital communion with the vine, then the branch will naturally fulfill its created purpose. Right? Thank you, Jesus. I found myself. <laughs> All right. So the tree of life is where we find peace. It's where we stay in the place of heart connection with the Father. And the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, what Jesus came that we might have life. And that we might have it in super abundance, right? So God actually created you to live in abundance. He created you to live connected to his heart, vitally like the branch is connected to the vine. And as a result of that, great fruit will just absolutely come. If you look at the, your family, your vocation, your friends, your ministry, your future, there should be fruitfulness in every one of those areas. And if there isn't, it's probably because there's something pinching in on your relationship with God. Worry and fear are two of the greatest weapons of the enemy that keep us disruptive, living in a place of, of disrupting our relationship with God so that we are not living in this place of life and peace so that the life of His Spirit can flow through us. So we're just going to do a quick prayer activation. Put your hand over your heart. All right, you ready? Say, Jesus... Forgive me for trying to manage my own heart and life. Some people are giggling. <laughs> Say, I repent for sitting in the wrong spot. 
the God spot <laughs> for trying to manage everything, taking on all the weight of responsibility. I choose to take my eyes off of the challenges and to put my focus upon you and you only. Some people are getting set free right now. You've been carrying a lot of weight and responsibility and burden trying to figure everything out. It is not your job to figure everything out. Holy Spirit's working. Let's just let Him work. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4 says this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Amen? All right. I only have a few more minutes, so I want to get to this next point, and that is that <clears throat> we have to face our disappointments. When we're living in times of disruption, when we're living in times of difficulty, often we carry out of those seasons disappointments. Um, in order to transition well, we have to deal with the disappointments of the current season or the past seasons that we've been in. And as I said, you know, transition often comes in at unexpected times and through uncomfortable experiences. And so we find ourselves in those moments, you know, like Mary suddenly being pregnant and having to deal with all the fallout of that. Jesus is with the disciples on the last night before he's betrayed. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is John chapter 13 through 17. This is the last time that Jesus is with his disciples, and he goes through this entire discourse with them. And it's amazing because, you know, this is that, this big transition is about ready to come. The disciples had no idea. Jesus is leaving. Like, he's leaving. He's not coming back. And the disciples are scratching their head going like, what the heck? What are you talking about? And if you go to John chapter 13, I'm going to pull this up. John chapter 13. It's amazing what you can do with iPads these days. You can actually pull up the scripture right next to your notes if you have the iPad Pro. All right. Jesus knew that night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Like Jesus is about ready to leave. And what the Bible says is that the most important thing in Jesus' heart was that he wanted them to experience the fullness of his love. Because he knew that his love for them, them encountering his love, them encountering the Father's love, because if you read through chap from chapter 13 through chapter 17, it's very clear that Jesus is stating that I have come 
and I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14, and he says this, that no one comes to the Father but through me. What Jesus is saying is, listen, I came to reveal the Father to you. I came to reveal the Father to you. And he says it all the way through the verses. You can see him talking about it. In fact, let's go over to chapter 14. Um, Jesus said, verse 6, Jesus explained, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes <clears throat> next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. Verse 10, don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father, for he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me, or at least believe because of the mighty miracles that I have done. Down in verse 18, I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. Verse 20, so when that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father and that you are one with me, for I will be living in you. And then verse 23, loving me empowers you to obey my word. My Father and my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. God's ultimate plan was for every one of us to become the living tabernacle of his glory and his presence. But it's not because he wants us to just manifest his glory in the earth. Watch this. We're talking about vine and branch again. The miracles and healing the sick and being able to prophesy and get words of knowledge, that is fruit, folks. The real focus is actually our heart connection with the Father. And Jesus says very clearly, this is why I came. I came to show you the way. Jesus is always going to take us to the Father. He's always going to point us to the Father. He's always going to lead us into a greater heart connection with the Father. And that is where our destiny is. <clears throat> when everything wraps up and we're all in heaven, guys, all the works are laid down. Everything is judged. All that stuff happens. What is left? It's the relationships we have with each other, but most importantly, with our Creator. And the key thing that I wanted to share was this, that disappointment comes when we walk through transitions and hardship and difficulty when we have unmet desires. If you are carrying disappointment from the past or from difficult experiences in your life, it's because there's actually a desire that you've carried that has not been fulfilled. Right? If you think about Peter, Peter was the guy who said, Jesus, I'm all in, right? In fact, here in this very passage of Scripture we're talking about, Peter's like, Jesus is saying, I'm going, I'm leaving, I have to die. What does Peter say? No way. There's no way that you're going to die, right? Jesus goes on to tell Peter, Peter, you're actually going to deny me before the night's over. And Peter's like, no way, I will die for you. And then, of course, we know what happens. 
right? He denies Jesus. Every one of us carry disappointments and discouragements from our past, and often it's because we are centered upon ourselves. And we have a tendency to blame ourselves for failures or difficulties or things that have happened in our past. Maturity is developed when we, when we shift from our being the center and God becomes the center. You know, God is the one constant you can count on. Isn't that true? Do you believe that? There's no shadow of turning in Him. Peter says, I'm your man. You can count me in. And what did Peter have to face? He had to face the disappointment in order to be restored to Jesus. In fact, if you, if you look at the story, eventually Peter goes back to fishing and Jesus eventually shows up on the seashore. Do you remember the story? And when Peter comes and sits with Jesus, there's this encounter where Jesus asks him, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. You guys read the story? Kind of this amazing moment. And it's been kind of, you know, characterized with different meanings behind it. But, you know, I kind of pictured Peter being so ashamed at his failure, so disappointed at his failure, that it was so difficult for him to even come and to face Jesus. And yet you see Jesus right there in the midst of that disappointment, speaking to Peter and restoring him. And I wanted to kind of just have a moment where we pray together, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Jesse. Um, but I feel like often we carry disappointment, and a lot of the disappointment is, is with regard to ourselves. Like we feel like we just didn't do what we needed to do. We feel like maybe we blew it. And the reason why we're not where we thought we were going to be really goes back to our own choices and decisions. And we, we carry a lot of blame and shame for where we're at in life. And the enemy loves to use that to keep us down. And so if you would, just put your hand over your heart again. We're just going to do a little sozo prayer, all right? Say, Holy Spirit, would you uncover any disappointment that I'm carrying in my heart that's holding me back from transitioning into this new season? Now, if Holy Spirit just reveals anything, just ask Jesus to come into that place of disappointment. Say, Jesus, would you just come into that place of disappointment? Then ask Jesus, is there anybody that you need to forgive? Jesus, is there anybody that I need to forgive? Some of you need to forgive yourself today and receive the cleansing that the blood of Jesus purchased for you when Jesus died on the cross. Let's ask Holy Spirit one more question. Say, Holy Spirit, what's the lie that I'm believing that keeps disappointment lodged in my heart? If the Holy Spirit gives something to you, just 
renounce that lie. Just say, I just renounce that lie. I just cast it down right now. I'm not going to walk in agreement with that any longer. And then ask Jesus what's the truth that he wants to give you in exchange. Now, Father, I just ask right now that you would minister to every heart that's here. And that as we are stepping into this, in a sense, prophetic season of transition, as we're approaching Christmas, that we would have a heart that is so full of expectancy, a heart that's full of hope, a heart that is focused upon you. And that you really are the not only the source of, of our strength in our life, and our joy and our hope, but that you actually are the destination. That you become the focus of everything that we are, everything that we hope for, everything that you've created us to be. And I ask that, Lord, that every disappointment would just fall to the ground and that we'd be able to release those things and step fully into this new season of what you have created us for at this time here. In Jesus' precious name, amen. That was about half of my sermon, praise God. <laughs> Jesse knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, it's great being with you guys today. It's good. Got to go to celebration next week to get the rest of it. Hey, why don't you guys stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. Uh, if you're on the prayer team, come on up right now. Yep. Ah. You can't be on the prayer team until after prayer team training. So just stay there. Yeah. Yeah. Father, uh, thank you for transitions. Thank you for transitions. Thank you for hard transitions, God. That, uh, Lord, we don't get stronger without lifting heavy weight. Nobody grows without lifting heavy things. And um, I just want to speak this over our community. We are a family that does hard things well. We do hard things well. And I think one thing I, I just grabbed a hold of, uh, of the many things Doug said, and I just want to speak it over us, that we can do hard things well when we're connected to the vine. If we're not connected to the vine, everything is hard. And so, Father, we just, I just release a spirit of breakthrough over this community right now. Uh, and and the, the places of that were created for freedom, Lord. If you, if you grabbed a hold of a truth and it brought joy to your heart, it brought life, you felt like there's something happening. Um, I, I, want, I want to just breathe life into that, that God's going to walk that out with you over this next couple of weeks, that there will be a forward movement. In fact, just say this right now over yourself. Say, something happened today. I'm never going to be the same. Something changed. I'm different. And so, God, we thank you that you are the source of everything that changes and is different in our lives for good. And we love you, and we just want to give all of our lives to you. Amen. Amen. Have an amazing week, holiday season. Reach out to people. Love on family if you haven't already done that. We will see you next week.
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.